time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Hey, if you would, open up the Bible. Oh, next week. Next week. I don't know what I'm talking about. Distracted by this ear thing. If you would, would you just open your Bibles to John 14? Uh, we're in this supernatural series. And believing God's going to do... Literally, not cliche, something supernatural here at DSM. And so that's why we're spending some time in Scripture talking through it. And so before we do that, though, I just wanted to tell you how excited I am to, to come and preach. This isn't normally my gig, uh, but I was really uh, honored to come and do this when David asked me. And so usually I spend time in, with DLA and teach, uh, but this is a new thing for me. So have grace, uh, but stick with me. I think uh, I have a really important, something I think that's very meaningful for you tonight. So I'm going to pray and we'll dive in. God, I, I thank you for DSM. I thank you for what you're doing here in our midst. God, that you're doing something incredible. God, in the times that we come before you in worship, you meet us. And I pray, Jesus, as the weeks and the summer comes, God, that you would continue to bring your presence. God, we want more of you. Amen. All right, in John 14, uh, Jesus begins to talk to his disciples and begins to prepare them for his departure. We all know that Jesus goes to the cross and that the disciples are going to be without the person they've been with for the last three, three and a half years. And so they've spent time with Jesus eating. They've spent time with Jesus listening. He's taught them. He's spent time with them. These are, for Jesus himself, his best friends. And for the disciples, Jesus is all of their best friend. And something for them is beginning to become a reality of the disciples having to deal with the fact that Jesus is going to be leaving. So let's get right into the scripture. In John 14, in the NIV, it says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate or counselor to help you and be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. I love the message version. It says, I will talk to the father and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. So you all know, or maybe most of you know, that Candace and I and Dan and Amy, we got to go on this incredible trip to Italy just a month ago. And we show up, we get to the airport, and it's my cousin. I kind of call him my uncle because he's, he's that much older than me. Um, but we get there, we get in the car, and he's actually going to give us this car. And so we get in the car, and he's trying to explain. It's, it's, a, it's an old car. Um, and it's kind of beat up, doesn't, I mean, it, it works well, but it, 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 it's just an old car. And so he, he starts telling us that this car is like a monkey. This car is like a monkey. And luckily Dan was paying attention to what he was saying because none of us were with him. What do you mean this car is a monkey? And we're trying to think because all of a sudden we had to turn into translation mode. I don't know how many of you have traveled, but you have to start thinking like they think. They don't really know our language that well. So a monkey. And Dan, I think, just starts, what are words that sound like monkey? And he goes, donkey. And he's like, oh yeah, donkey. That's what I meant. And so <laughs> this car is going to be a donkey, meaning a workhorse. And so we all, it all made sense, but 
you know, a monkey. I, I didn't, we didn't get it. So I tell you that story because my, my family over there is incredible. We traveled there because my family lives there. And so what happened, though, is my, my cousin, my second cousin, he gives us an apartment in Rome. Sounds pretty sweet. And it has two beds in it. It has a kitchen. Uh, it had a big screen TV or a flat screen TV. And we, we get there. And he tells us about this one thing. He said, everything is fine here except for one thing. There's a crazy uncle. Okay. And so we're thinking too, like he was telling us a car was a monkey and a donkey. And we we're like, what's the crazy uncle? And so the crazy uncle, supposedly the, the apartment we're staying in is, is owned by this other friend of his. But just above is the crazy uncle. And he's related to the person that owns the apartment that we're in. And so he thinks that the apartment that we're staying in is actually his apartment. And so he said, if the crazy uncle shows up, just beware. And we're like, okay. And he tells us this Italian name, but we couldn't remember it. So we go our whole time in Rome, have an incredible time. And we are actually like packing up our bags. We're about to leave to get in the car, to drive to see my family, because we're all by ourselves. And I had walked out out of the apartment, and right as I walk out, this guy is just standing there looking at me, <laughs> locks eyes with me, and all, the only word I knew to say was chow, which was hello, chow, and I'm like, ducked my head and went down the stairs, so I was kind of scared. I had to go turn on the electricity because we were really, really good. I don't know why this isn't working. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I tried all of worship to get it on my ear, but it never would stay. So Dan and David both tried to help me. Um, so what's happening? Let's just be right here. It's a monkey. Uh, so we're, we're, I'm trying to remember. Oh, we're in the story. So I go down the stairs and I'm, I'm, I come back in and I'm like, all right, everybody. We haven't seen the crazy uncle, but I think he has arrived. So I don't know what's going to happen. So to get in, everything in Italy is like major lockdown, keys, metal gates, everything to protect yourself or, or the, your, your stuff in the house. And so to get in even to the apartment complex, you have to ring in. And so he rings in, the phone rings. And obviously, I'm English, they're Italian. I know I can't speak their language. So I answer the phone, and he just starts talking really fast. And I'm like no Italiano, no Italiano. And, and so he, I just like, I just hung up because I didn't know what to do. I literally five minutes later, another ring. And I'm like, oh man, this is not good. This time I can tell this guy is angry. And so he's yelling now. It's yelling and it's fast. And I'm like, this is no good. I hang it up again. <laughs> It's the only, I mean, you would do the same thing. Then, obviously, he had keys or whatever to get in. And so then I hear the, the zing of the door. And I look through the little hole. And it's the same guy that was staring at me. But he's standing way back with his hands on his, on his side. And I'm like, I look at Dan, Amy, and Candace. I'm like, here we go, everybody. <laughs> Open the door. He comes and stands right at the, the door post. And, and I'm not moving because I'm like, I'm not letting this guy in. He's probably 60, 70 years old. He's probably 70 years old. And he stands right here and he just starts yelling at me right in my face. I mean, we're this far apart. 
And he just starts yelling and yelling and yelling. And I'm thinking, literally, I'm thinking, I'm about to get in a fight with a 70-year-old dude. And I'm like, I'm bracing my, I'm getting ready, like, do I need to get ready? I need to prepare my mind to punch a 70-year-old dude. And then he, like, kind of steps into the door, and he sees Amy. And I don't know why Amy, but maybe Amy's black hair looked Italian, and he just starts yelling at her. And I think she was a little freaked out, yelling and yelling, and then the door, and he just starts banging on the door. And I'm still standing right here, and I'm trying to talk to Dan. And I'm like, Dan, do you remember this lady's name? As he's yelling, I'm trying to stay calm. And finally, he leaves. And I'm like, thank God, lock the door. Uh, and we were going to like have a leisurely exit out, but we decided we had to have a plan to get out the door (laughs) because we didn't want this guy inside of where we were staying. And so we, you know, had a little system to get out, walk out and we see him go into another complex. I don't know what to do, but luckily we got out. And so anyways, I tell you this story. One, it's really funny. (laughs) Two, it was scary. But three, I think it really explains who the Holy Spirit is to us. Because what happened is I knew that at any moment I could call my cousin on the phone and he would take care of me. And so that's all I was waiting for. I was waiting to close this door to get on the phone. And that's exactly what I did because we couldn't handle it. We didn't have anybody that we knew that was around there. We couldn't speak the language. We couldn't communicate. And the thing that kind of freaked me out is if a police officer had come, he would be telling them that it's his apartment. And how could I argue? And so I was like, we need to just leave so that we don't get a policeman or something that happens. But as I was just, that story so reminded me of the Holy Spirit that he comes in, in we, we know that he's always available. He's always there to help us. He is always there. He's a, he's, he's, he's more than a phone call away. Just like my cousin, he was just a phone call away, but in a foreign land, he was our guide. At any time that we needed anything, any time in Rome, as we were driving, as we were traveling, we would just call him up. One time we were in Italy, and, and I thought that this guy at the gas station was stealing from me. And so, but I didn't understand that they don't use gallons, they use liters. And so I was telling him he was stealing from me, but, and he was like, no, this is how much it cost, and called my uncle. I mean, all through the trip, he was always our advocate as we were traveling in Italy. Are you with me? And I believe that this, this crazy uncle sometimes reflects our life. The things are chaotic. We don't know how to respond. We don't know exactly what to do or how to handle it. But we know that we can call our cousin at any time. If you would, let's, I want to move on because I want to explain how I believe. And I, and, and I want you to understand my heart that tonight I want... I, I want Holy Spirit to come to alive to you as a friend. This isn't, this isn't just a sermon just to, to preach. This isn't, oh, we're in the supernatural series. As I was praying for you, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me, I want to tell DSM that I'm their friend. So if you would, in Luke 11, in the NIV, Luke eleven thirteen, it says, if you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? I love the message. I haven't been much of a person to read the message, but I, more and more I'm starting to enjoy it. And so in the message of Luke eleven thirteen, it says, Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. 
This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your little boy asks for serving a fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. And don't you think the father who conceived you in love will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? John 16, just to, to say, just to, to confirm that the gift of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, it says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is for your good. It is for your good that I'm going away. This is actually the verse that follows. Uh, It's two chapters later. But when I read in the message in John 14 that Jesus will send himself to us as a friend. And then in John 16, it talks about that it's for our good. Jesus says it's for our good that he would leave. And I was trying to put myself into the disciples in hearing this. What do you mean, Jesus? We've been with you. Every time that we needed something, every time we needed to know how to pray, we asked you. Every time that we needed to know how to deal with something, you were here and we talked to you. And now you're saying it's good for you to go? That makes no sense. Why, Jesus, would it be a good thing for you to leave and so you can give us a, we don't know this friend. We don't know who this person is that you're talking about. But Jesus says it's better for you. It's for your good. And previously, why this is important is previously, he's prophesying what will happen after his death. Previously, the only people that were filled with the Holy Spirit, or there's some stories in the Old Old Testament where they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But most of the time, the people that got to encounter Jesus were in in the Holy of Holies before the veil had ripped. And so this was a new idea that he hadn't even told them yet. The reason I'm leaving, because I'm only mostly around you 12, the reason I'm leaving is so that everyone will be filled. And I love that. I love that Jesus loves us so much that he would actually depart so that he could empower all of us as believers. And I can imagine if I was in that day and I'm best friends with Jesus, I don't want him to go. I want him right near me. But I love that Jesus tells his disciples, I'm watching out for you. It's actually better. And I want to establish, you can't believe that Jesus is your friend until you know that it's a gift. To move from a gift, you have to understand that we, we're dealing with an issue of identity. Because we know that the Holy Spirit lives in us. But I want to read it. So if you go to John fourteen seventeen, it's right after Jesus says that, that I'm bringing you a friend. It's the next verse. He says, you know him already because he has been staying with you and will be even in you. Because I'm reading the message, I want to read that too. It says, but you're going to see me because I am alive. And you're about to come alive. And, and that moment you will know absolutely that I'm in the Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. This is the mystery of the gospel. How could a person live in you? It's a gift. Jesus leaves so that you have a gift. Jesus says, I'm in the Father. Jesus says that you're in me, you believed in me. 
And thus, because you believe in me, I am in you. It's not just a gift that's there. You you can interact with it when you want. No, it lives in you. This gift lives in you. In 1 Corinthians 6.19. Sorry, I'm a little teachy, so I have lots of scripture. It's kind of crazy. Augustine looked at my notes earlier, and he's like, I think you have a little too much. So I'll try and move, but this isn't me convincing you. This is just reading the scriptures. Let it come alive to you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And I love that even more because Jesus actually is the first one that says that I'm in you. Paul confirms it later in 1 Corinthians. He says that Jesus lives in us. We are his temple. And I know you all know that verse because it gets brought up often. But it's talking more about acknowledging, just acknowledging that he lives in you. As we're talking about friends, I believe one of the main issues that we all deal with, I deal with it, and I know you deal with it, is that we begin to identify ourselves by who we know or who we're known by. Lots of us actually like telling other people who knows us. If it's a celebrity or a sports person, I mean, even with, even with Caleb, I was like, man, Caleb's so big and huge and muscular. I was like, he knows me. <laughs> and so it's very easy, it's very easy to identify yourselves, but these are my friends, these are my boys, this is my wife. Not for you, for me. Um, these are the people that I know, and thus I'm defined by them, which is so true. You are defined by your friends. And then in other cases, if you happen, to, if your parents happen to know a celebrity or happen to know a politician, you, it'll be brought up in a conversation. You'll mention that I'm known by this person. We begin to identify ourselves by our friends. I know you even know this quote. It says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But I think the thing I loved most about this when I read the message that Jesus said, I'm bringing you a friend. It's a gift. And if that, if that, and we know that that quote is true, that when you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. How great is it that Jesus is called, Jesus giving us the Holy Spirit, we're identified by it. That we're known by Jesus, we're known by the Holy Spirit, we're known by God the Father. I know my future. My future is great. My future may have sufferings, it may have victories, but I'm known by God, I'm known by Jesus, I'm known by the Holy Spirit. He lives in me. I'm identified by him. I'm just going to run through these because I think some of us actually don't even know what a good friend is. Sometimes we're around friends that bring us down, that don't speak life into us. They're not life-giving. But the attributes of the Holy Spirit as a friend, he's called the helper in 2 Timothy. He's called your hope in Romans 15. He's, he says that he will fellowship with you in 2 Corinthians. 
It says in John 14 that he is the spirit of truth. He is truth. In 1 Peter, it says that he's caring. Do these sounds like good attributes of a friend? There's more. There's plenty more. He's healer. He's a model. He models life for us. I hope your good friends model how to be a good person, how to love Jesus, how to love other people. He provides direction and love, peace, joy. He is your counselor. And I think tonight you need to know that the Holy Spirit, many of you maybe haven't accepted Jesus and you don't know the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you know Jesus and have been told about the Holy Spirit, but you're not experiencing him. Maybe you haven't uh, been baptized by the Holy Spirit or accepted that the Holy Spirit exists. And so you don't know these attributes. But if you will just believe in it, he wants to share all of these things with you. He wants to be your friend in every way. In every way, he wants to be your friend. And this is just some of them. This is just part of the list. In the Bible, it talks about many times, I'm going to go to some of these. It talks about stories of being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, 8, Peter, or actually not Peter, James, Peter and James, I'm pretty sure. Acts 4, 8. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Goes on to say in verse 13, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What I love is that these attributes of friendship, that he can be your hope, your helper, your healer, he can give you direction, peace, and joy, but he can fill you. I, I think what happened in Acts 4-8 when he's before the Sanhedrin and he's being accused of doing something, that rejected the law of the day, rejected, they wanted them to reject Jesus. He comes as a help in the moment that he needs help. It says that Peter was filled. Can you say filled? Filled. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he responds with authority. In your moment of help, the Holy Spirit will help you. In Acts 7.55, I'm just going to just do a few of these. Acts 7.55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, imagine that. You're being stoned He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and while he's being beaten with rocks, he screams out, look. I love that. Look. I see heaven open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He's filled. He suffers on behalf of Jesus, but there's hope because of, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. There's hope in his heart. 
He can see Jesus because of he's being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the moment where his actually death is being brought to his life, he has hope. Not because hope, he has, he has an ability to conjure up hope, but because the Holy Spirit is in him, he has hope. And in your moment of despair, the Holy Spirit will bring hope to your life. If you ask, if you know him, if you spend time with the Holy Spirit, in your moment of destruction, your moment of death, he will bring hope. In Luke 10, 21, I thought I love, obviously in, June, in, in, in John 17, uh, Jesus prays to God. But in Luke 10, I, I believe that there's something just as incredible. It says, Luke 10, 21. It says, at that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. I love that Jesus, full of God, actually is full of the Holy Spirit. I just can't imagine what a man that is fully God can actually have more God in him full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of joy because of the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a miracle. Something that's profound that actually Jesus can model for us. He can be full of the Holy Spirit. Full of joy. In your depression, your sadness, Jesus wants to give you joy. He's full of joy. And he offers it to you as a gift. Will you take all the joy that Jesus has for you? Because we know that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father are one. Characters of the Holy Spirit reflect Jesus. Attributes of Jesus reflect the Holy Spirit. So there's two things that Jesus demonstrated here. In Proverbs 18, it just gives us wisdom. It says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I know some of you have that. I know that I have that. Some of my best friends stick closer to them, brother. They call me to righteousness. They call me to greatness. But the attribute of Jesus in John 15, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. If we revisit John 14, you can imagine, again, the despair that they have that their best friend is leaving. But Jesus comes to say that I would lay, I love you so much that I would actually die for you. My best friends, I would lay down my life for you. And because it, it says that the Holy Spirit came from Jesus, it says, I give you my peace. In John 14, that we know that the Holy Spirit has the reality that he would lay down his life for his friends. Though the Holy Spirit did not sacrifice himself, he came from Jesus. Are you with me? His spirit is to contend for you. His spirit, he, he lays his life down for you. He exists for your benefit. The Holy Spirit is with us for you. That Jesus would offer such a gift. He would lay down his life 
so that the Holy Spirit could be in you. But the Holy Spirit loves you. The Holy Spirit lives in existence for you. In every need that you have, he's with you. Again, if we're defined by our friends, if that is true, if that simple thing is true, and the Holy Spirit in the scripture is called your friend, you are identified and known by God. There is no other person. I know the challenge in you is to define yourself by who knows you. But I ask you to let the Holy Spirit Let that person, I'm known by the Holy Spirit. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and I am known by the Holy Spirit. I have another story from Italy. I just, this, this trip really impacted me. This wasn't, yes, a vacation, but a lot of my prayers that, that something, something supernatural would actually be done in me, and it was, and for both Candace and I, it was our prayer that, that something, some, some new identity of God would be revealed to us. And it was done not in just one way, one way but in so many. And so the reason, I want to tell you a little bit more of the story of why Italy matters to me. My mom is half Italian. Her dad is fully Italian. And so I'm just a little bit. Wish I could claim it more. But he is the oldest of eight children. He was captured by the Germans in World War II. He spoke German, and so he was communicating with them. But the Americans came down into Italy and and rescued my grandpa. And so he helped them navigate some of the region and the rural areas. But he was enamored with the American culture. And so he he was like, I'm going to America. And so he, he, he couldn't come straight to America. He had to go to Venezuela, and then he came to Arizona, and that's where I was born. But what's incredible about my grandpa, he's the oldest of eight. He lived here for most of the time that they were, his, his brothers and sisters were getting married and having children. He was doing the same thing, but in America. He was the only one to leave. But the incredible thing about him is that he kept in constant contact, traveled often, sent money, because they were, most of my family was poor in southern Italy. And he, over the years brought every person in the family to know Jesus. Every person. But what's even more incredible as we were there, and I've been a couple times before, but I was younger. So this time it was just me. I wasn't with my mom. I wasn't with anyone that can jam. It was just me. I love that. And so when I was there, they would always, every single person, aunt, uncle, uh, cousin, second, doesn't, doesn't matter who it was, every person told me, how close they were to my grandpa. Every single person wanted me to know how close they were to my grandpa. And I had the, I had the, I kind of got the benefit of my grandpa living a great life because I kind of had this aura of, my family's called the Converti family. And so I got the the great benefit. I mean, I wanted anything, they would give it to me. They, They thought I was the best thing ever. And, but I didn't do anything. But it was, it was the, the legacy of my grandpa Every one of them wanted me to know how close they were. Everyone said, I was best friends with your grandpa. Your grandpa brought me to know Jesus. Your grandpa saved my life. Your grandpa sent money to us when we were in need. 
the, there's one major uncle that's left. Candace called him my grandpa, but he wasn't. But it was the only way she could figure it out. She's like, your grandpa. I'm like, that's not my grandpa. But he, we, every morning we would come over for breakfast and none of us could, they couldn't speak English. We couldn't speak Italian. And they were, they were old. I mean, they were like 65, 70 years old. But every morning he would pull out his Bible, have his little Italian English dictionary. And we would catch maybe the 10th to 15th word, piece together a story from the Bible. And it always ended with him telling us that we needed to have children. I don't know why. <laughs> There was actually one time that I think he had talked for probably 10 minutes and Dan and I just had this moment. We looked at each other and we're like, dude, we don't know what he's talking about. And he's like, it's probably children. (laughs) But that's beside the point. He pulls out his dictionary now at, so we're getting used to this translation, the past, you know, this is the word I'm trying to say and I'm going to hold my finger on the word so you can figure it out. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, I understand. Capito, understand. And so I, I know like two or three words. And, um, and the one word that he, was, he said, your grandpa. And he looked up this word and it said unsurpassable. And I was like, that is not a word for a person. That's a word for God. But the way that my grandpa had impacted his life he viewed my grandpa as unsurpassable. I mean, today, for the rest of my life, I'll never never forget that moment. How much one person can change your life. The Holy Spirit is with you. He wants to know you. He wants to spend his time on you. How much can we offer back to him to say that we're known by him? When we walk around saying that we're known by the Holy Spirit, we're known by God the Father, we're known by Jesus who died on the cross for me, more than any person in your life. Though I'm known by my wife, I'm known by the Holy Spirit. The closest relationship I have, Holy Spirit trumps it. A few things I've already talked about that what Jesus had gone through, the Spirit knows how to help you with it. So in Scripture, a few things that Jesus had gone through, he's things that he experienced on earth. He experienced abandonment. When he was on the cross, he's about to die. He looks, he, he, he prays to God and he says, why have you forsaken me? He knows abandonment. He knows betrayal as Judas offered him up for 30 pieces of silver. He knows rejection as when he's getting arrested right before he goes to the cross, all the disciples desert him and leave. It says that they flee. He experienced temptation in Mark 4. Satan tempts him with hunger and power. In Hebrews 4, it says that he was tempted in every way. I think it's easy for us to dismiss what Jesus actually did on the earth. 
Just read the stories of miracles. Just read the story of the cross. Read the story of the resurrection and overlook that he actually has experienced everything you have as a human. In John 14, 16, it says the Holy Spirit came from Jesus. He is our counselor. It says that he is the spirit of truth. A couple verses later in verse 26, it says, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Do not be troubled. This is my final point. The Holy Spirit is here to counsel you. Whatever you're in, he's a friend because he loves you. He's your friend. I don't know about you, but I want my friends to be the ones that can counsel me. When I'm hurting, confused, don't understand, frustrated, I can look to Dan and say, counsel me, I need help. Encourage me. How much more Can the Holy Spirit do that? Band, if you don't mind coming up here. Tonight, I want you to recognize the Holy Spirit as your friend and your counselor. Your advocate. That he actually goes to the Father on your behalf. He intercedes for you. He will counsel you. It says in John 14, he will do it. He is the spirit of truth. I love, for me, in my life, in my journey in knowing Christ, I love that I know someone that will counsel me in truth. Not give me an answer that will make me feel good. It'll calm my anxieties just because, but it'll speak truth into me, into my heart, into my gut. So I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what is destroying your life and where you're at. If your parents are going through a divorce, you know, friends that are suicidal, maybe you're in depression, you're hurting, you're broken, you struggle with shame from the past, guilt, Maybe even pride. But I think tonight, there's one thing I think the Holy Spirit is asking you. Will you acknowledge me as a friend? Will you acknowledge me as a friend? I want to counsel. He says to you tonight, I want to counsel you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. And some of you don't know what a good friend is. You've actually chosen bad friends. And you can't understand how the Holy Spirit could be a friend because of what you know friends to be. So tonight, I just want to invite DSM staff up here and our DSM campus pastors. Will the rest of you stand with me? I just want, I'm going to pray for you and then invite you to come down and pray with one of our staff members or campus pastors. Let this be a somber moment. 
you would, hold out your hands. God, come. Jesus, we want to know you as a friend. We want to know you as our advocate. Jesus, we're asking for a fresh revelation of who you are in us. You're already in us. So, Father, would you come? Speak to our hearts. Put love into us. Meet us where we're at, Jesus, in our brokenness. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.